Hey, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint. And uh, at Centerpoint, we're always looking for ways we can use technology, we can use um, anything for God's glory, uh, including our website. So we've made some upgrades on that. People are saying, I'd like to watch the whole service. And other things are like, okay, now you can. Another thing we're going to do is we um, are going to be featuring testimonies all the time of what God has done in people's lives. And so we've even called this message today, My Story. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline. With, that's the title of my message this morning. You'll hear several testimonies as we go through uh, the message today. Um, and because we're going to be talking about the testimony of a man who was born blind and Jesus healed him in John 9. But on our website, where this little icon is, you can go there anytime and click on it, and there'll be a place where you can fill out some information, and then we'll call you and help you set up your testimony. Eventually, we'd love to have thousands, years from now, thousands of testimonies where God had answered prayers, God had um, guided people's lives in a big decision and gave them peace, God had forgiven their sins, they came to Christ, testimonies all across the board about what a small group meant to them, you'll see, and it'll be incredibly encouraging. Today will be incredibly encouraging to you, too, um, because... Uh, God is in the answer and prayer business. God is in the healing business. God is in the changed life business. If that's good news to you today, would you say amen? amen? Yeah, it is good news. I want to welcome the folks who are worshiping with us via video on the internet or um, at Pike Road, Cloverdale, and then Wetumpka. I'm glad you're along as well. Let me pray for us. We're going to jump right in. Father, we're talking about testimonies today. Uh, my story. Lord, I want to recount my stories, or the stories in my life of how you changed my life, how you answered prayers, how you forgave my sins, how you showed me what's really important. Lord, I want us all to be able to do that. And I pray that today we'll all be encouraged. Lord, by the testimony of a man who was born blind and you healed him. And Father, I just um, I pray that you'll speak, you'll move me out of the way, and um, you'll give us all encouragement and a challenge today be ready to give glory to you whenever you open the door. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. If you need a pen, by the way, just to fill in the blanks, you didn't grab it on the way in, raise your hand, the ushers will pass one to you. Point one, a blind man once had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. That's the whole idea behind a testimony, behind sharing your story. It's like, I got to change life. Um, and that's what happened to a man who was born blind one day. This is John 9, verses 1 and 2, and then 6 and 7. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who'd been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, spread the mud over the blind man's eyes, and he said to him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went, washed, and he came back seeing. An amazing miracle. And it's important to note this. When people noticed the change in the blind man's life, he told them about his encounter with Jesus. He told them about his encounter with Jesus. There had been a changed life. What was the cause of the change? Jesus. Continuing on. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same guy. I'm the same one. And they asked, well, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, well, the man they called Jesus made mud, spread it over my eyes, and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. I mean, that was his whole testimony. He didn't know a lot about Jesus, didn't know how it worked or why it worked. It just worked. And he wanted to tell everybody that something amazing had happened to him because of Jesus. There's a life application for you and me here. You and I need to always be prepared to tell others how Jesus changed our lives. Peter, who saw Jesus do this miracle and many others, wrote about this. 
uh, later on in his life. He said, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. I want you to hear a gentle and respectful testimony from Jenny Bethay. Um, God answered her prayers recently. Um, I got to be a part of it and see it, so did some of the rest of you here. She and her husband are involved at Pike Road site, and I'd love to, for you to hear, how, hear her testimony this morning of how God changed her life. My name is Jenny Bethay. I'm 57 years old, and last year, about this time, I was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. The doctors gave me maybe three to six months to live, and um, not much hope was there. January of last year, I started having some um, pains in my abdomen and started having fatigue and started having just some changes in my body. And um, it took me till about April, but I finally went to the doctor after I lost probably about 15 pounds. The night before I was to have the testing done to see what was going on with me, um, I'd already talked to my family about it, but I did text my, con my uh, connect group and told them what I was going through and that I was scared and to please pray for me. And they were so sweet, and I got texts back, and I knew they were praying for me, and they sent uh, scriptures for me to remember and to be encouraged by. Uh, with, with stage four pancreatic cancer, they don't give you a lot of options. Surgery was not an option. Um, they said I could go through chemotherapy, and even with that, I may have a year. Um, survival for, for this is like 6% of people. Um, for five-year survival, it's very, very low, and the options were not very good. After I got the diagnosis, um, John and se several of the elders, leaders of the church, and Sweet Debbie came over to my house, and they anointed me with oil and laid hands on me and prayed, and I've never had been on the receiving end of anything like that, and it was just the most powerful thing I've ever experienced in my life. It was. Uh, just strong and encouraging, and I just felt the, the power of the Lord through, through their hands and through their, their words. And um, The doctor had recommended six rounds of chemotherapy. You'd get a treatment every two weeks for, for 12 rounds, which would be six months. And um, I started. It was horrible. It kicked me to the curb. It about killed me, and it was just the worst thing I'd ever been through in my life, but um, we, we did it in my, I mean, like your hair falls out, you're sick, you're weak, you just, it's just rough. But um, after half of the treatments, the doctor decided to go ahead and uh, scan me again and recheck everything, and I was clear, completely clear. When the doctors came in, they were astonished. They they couldn't figure it out. He said, this never happens. We don't know what to do with you. Um, we don't know whether to keep giving you treatment just to, for a little insurance or stop. 
I mean, he said, this never happens. He didn't know what to attribute this miracle to. But we know it is God. God answers prayer. Uh, God is good. And he is, all healing comes from him. And of course, I chose not to do any more chemotherapy, just to um, stop it and keep a check on things. And so that's been since August of last year. Um, every three months, I have to go back and have scans and blood work and get rechecked by the doctor to make sure everything's still okay. And of course, that brings up anxieties and stuff in my spirit. But, I mean, he, he, he's given me this peace still. Even though you have times of fear, there's still a peace there. And He's always God, and He's always good. Yeah. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Just heard it. That's powerful. I mean, imagine somebody who's scared and they've never prayed to God about anything and they're facing a diagnosis they can't handle. That brings life to them and encouragement to them and directs them to Jesus, who is our hope and our help. And he loves us. Hmm. By the way, if you're wondering what she's talking about, our elders come, James 5, you can write this in the margin there. It starts with verse 14. Is any one of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. We do that all the time. We pray for people when they call us. If you need prayer, call us. We'll come. We believe that God answers prayer. And if you do too, would you say amen? amen. Well, let's pray. We're not going to leave a miracle sitting on the table because we didn't ask. Good night. Let's take it to the Lord and let's pray. Point two, the formerly blind man, and I said formerly blind man, simply told others what happened. I love praying with people. I love, uh, love it when they go back and the cancer's gone. And I can introduce them. This is Jenny, who formerly had cancer. This is a formerly blind man. And his friends kept questioning him. And all he did was tell them what happened. Where is he now, they asked. This is continuing on with verse 12 of John 9. I don't know, he replied. And then they took the man who'd been blind to the Pharisees. Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees were the kind of the law, the experts in the Jewish law, and they were the ones who, were, who could validate whether this man had truly been healed and whether God had done a miracle. Well, the Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, well, he put mud on my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. I mean, one of the Ten Commandments is to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and the Pharisees had really hung their hat on this one. You couldn't do any work of any kind. And I, you know, even making a little bit amount of mud would be work. And then healing would be like practicing medicine. So they weren't interested that a miracle had happened. They were interested in whether or not Jesus had made an infraction of their laws, which just made Jesus furious. This man, Jesus, is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion over them, among them. And then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, well, I think he must be a prophet. Well, the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see, so they called in his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? And his parents replied, 
Well, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. And that's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who'd been blind and told him, God should get glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Well, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I do know this. I was blind and now I can see. I mean, that's just a really good testimony. And flip it over, <laughs> there are three important factors for a good testimony. You heard them from Jenny just a second ago. You heard them from the man in John 9 right now. First question is this, that he answered powerfully, was what was I like before? His answer was blind. What was Jenny's? I had cancer. What happened? Well, the blind man met Jesus. Jesus put mud on his eyes, told him to go wash, and he came back seeing what happened to Jenny? Well, she prayed. She called the leaders of the church to pray, just like James 5 says. We prayed over her. How has my life changed? As a result, the blind man could see Jenny no longer has cancer. And that's a powerful testimony. I mean, testimonies work. I'll give you another example that you're all familiar with. It doesn't have anything to do with Christianity. It has to do with this guy. Can we put the, uh, Jared's picture up here? This is a picture of Jared Fogel, the subway guy. And some of you know exactly right away. Those were his pants when he was in college. College, he put on all this weight, eating junk food and playing video games. He decided that he got tired of being overweight, and so he started on a Subway diet. Just went and ate healthy sandwiches every day. Lost all his weight. Went from, a size, uh, from 61-inch pants down to like 36-inch pants. Okay, and somebody lived in his dorm, heard about it, wrote a paper on, uh, or an article for the school newspaper that just said, these are stupid diets that actually work. Subway picked up on it, verified it, called him, and he became a spokesman. They put him in hundreds of commercials. This is in the late 90s, like 1999. Over the next 10 years, Subway quadrupled, like tripled or quadrupled, and they, the company says he's responsible for most of that. I mean, as Jared got small, Subway got big. <laughs> and you know why? This was me before. I wore 61-inch pants. I ate Subway. Now I wear 36-inch pants. People going to Subway. Some of you are going to Subway now because of that picture. You're going, I like that. I, I want smaller pants. So I'll eat at Subway. I mean, it's a powerful testimony. Before, what happened? What difference did it make? It's a powerful testimony. I was blind. Jesus told, put mud on my eyes, told me to wash. Now I can see. He didn't know why it worked or how it worked. He didn't have a big, long history of Jesus. He just gave him the glory. Just told him what happened. And I say all this because this is what God wants you and me to do. I mean, there are people that are grateful. Jared Fogel ate at Subway. It gave them the courage to do something about something that probably would have ended their life too soon, carrying around all that weight. Do you know that there are people who are dying for hope? They are dying for answers. They're dying for a relationship with Jesus. And if you and I will just speak up, and tell them, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Your life can change. Once you hear another testimony, Robert, would you come on up here? Uh, Robert Parker is involved here in Prattville, and Robert has been a Christian for a while, but uh, uh, he is. But he grew up in church. And Robert, I'll let you. Good morning, by the way. Good to see you, uh, Robert. I'll let you tell everybody um, your early years in the church weren't exactly fantastic. Is that right? 
<clears throat> no, they, they weren't uh, spiritual. Let's put it like that. Okay. Well, tell everybody about a little bit about your story. What were you like? Okay. I was... Uh, I'm going to let you do it like that. There we go. Okay. I, I was raised in a good family. I had a, <clears throat> a, a excellent childhood and stuff like that. But my, my mother didn't go to church, and my father worked on Sunday, so I, I was never associated with church. But when I got to be in high school, I started going to church with some friends of mine. And after a period of years, just, you know, going to church and, and living my life like I did, I started noticing there was something wrong with this situation. The people that I was going to church with on Sunday morning, it didn't change their behavior on Friday night. It didn't change their behavior on Monday morning. So... I got to look at this thing, and I noticed that during church, about quarter 11 or 10 minutes 11, everybody started looking at their watch to see what time it was. And I noticed that uh, it wasn't a lot of joy here. And like I said before, they, you know, they looked like they'd been baptized in prune juice. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out why am I here. I could be turkey hunting right now. Am I doing God a favor by sitting in here? So as a result from that, I, I sort of fell away from church, and that's what it is. Yeah, and that was kind of it. So what happened? I mean, what brought a turnaround in your life? Well, you fast forward several several years, and then after I got from the service, we went down to Pensacola, Florida, and my wife met a bona fide, Jesus-loving Christian. And uh, matter of fact, they, they stayed together and they changed, but... My wife got saved on Easter Sunday, about 1974, and I was so uh, spiritual that I went turkey hunting. I, I wasn't even at the service that morning. But after she got saved and discussed, she started praying for me, and then she started, they started meeting all these people, and they would come around, and these people talked about Jesus on Monday, and they talked about Jesus on Friday night. I'd never heard anybody mention Jesus that time of, of the week. You know, you, you talked about Jesus from 11 to 12 on Sunday, and then maybe it, it, uh, Wednesday if you were fanatic, but not on, uh, <laughs> not on Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> so these people came around, and I started seeing the, such a change in their life. They had the joy of the Lord on it. These people would pray for you. These people had changed lives. And as a result of that, uh, I said they had what I needed because the Lord asked me one day, he said, is there anything you got you can depend on? And I said, no. And that's when I gave my life to Christ, and uh, what a change. Yeah, so Robert, unpack that change for us a little bit. What difference has it made in your life to follow Jesus? Well, uh, I don't have time to, to even start on that, but i give you a, a few things in uh, encouragement. One is... I found out about the, the Word of God. Proverbs says in chapter 4, it said, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Keep them in your sight, for they are life for you. And I found out that these words are life for me. Now, what does that mean? I was thinking, uh, the, the Word says things like, Learn to be content in whatever circumstance you're in. Now, I'll challenge most of you in here if you come out Monday morning and you got two flat tires on your car and one spare, I want to see if you're going to be content in that situation. <laughs> because it doesn't take much to lose your joy. But as you start walking with the Lord, you realize that you're not affected by these things. You're affected by Christ in your life. So it makes all the difference. You know, that uh, if you stop and think, just think about this. The 
God of this universe that made the temperature of the sun one million degrees gave me the opportunity to sit down and say, our Father, my Father. My Father made this whole thing. Why, why wouldn't my life be changed? If my life hadn't changed, then it's not real. When folks, I'm going to tell you, it's real. And I, uh, I, I just love it. Life is excitement for they see what God's going to do next. Thank you, Robert. Can we give him a round of applause? Thank you. What was my life like before? Ah, church didn't amount to much. What brought about the change? Saw a change in his wife and the people he met. How's it changed his life? Unbelievably. You can talk to Robert some more, and he will talk to you for a while. Okay. Uh, we spent some time in the office. He's got illustration after illustration after illustration. Loves talking about the Lord. So should you and I. The blind man did, or the formerly blind man did. And here's a life application for you, me. We don't have to have all the answers to have a good testimony. We don't. Blind man didn't. Was this man a sinner? I don't know. What's his theological education? I don't know. I do know I was blind, and now I see. That's what we have to share. I mean, I doubt that Jared Fogle knew the nutritional value of each and every sandwich. He's just tired of being fat. Went on a diet. Worked. Point three, the formerly blind man boldly, if you'd circle the word boldly there, shared his story whether others believed in him or not. Church leaders were questioning, but what did he do? Speaking of Jesus, they asked, how did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. This is starting in verse 26 again in chapter 9 of John. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? You want to become one of his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses. We don't even know where this man, speaking of Jesus, comes from. Well, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one's ever been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And then they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said. Now think about that. A man who had never seen in his whole life till that point. Wow. Hmm. You've seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees were standing nearby and they heard him and asked, Are you saying that we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. There's a life application out of this for you and me. We need to boldly tell others what God has done for us and leave the results to him. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to convince people. That's the Lord's job. I just have to bring him glory. I mean, all the blind man did, or the formerly blind man did, was tell the truth. It's all he needed to do. Psalm 107.2 reminds us, Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he's redeemed you from your enemies. Robert will speak out. He will. 
Jenny will speak out. We'd love for you to speak out. You go to our website, click on this. There's a little form you can fill out. Tell us a little bit about it. You'll get, we'll contact you. We'll help you put this together. Again, we want a massive library of these things one day, all on our website, so that somebody, somebody who's had the same experience as Robert can click on that, and God will guide them there. We don't have to worry about that. Somebody else who needs prayer, just like Jenny did, will click on that. We don't have to worry about that. We just want to leverage every asset we have to glorify God. And your testimony is valuable for the kingdom. I hope you'll use it. If you want to help developing it, we'll help you. We'd love to do that. Acts 4, Peter and John were called in front of the same people that had crucified Jesus, that hated him. God did a mighty miracle through them. A lame man who'd been lame for decades was healed. And they did it in the name of Jesus. And they were ordered by these folks never to speak about Jesus again. Jesus had been crucified. They thought they were rid of him. And now the disciples are doing miracles in his name. Here's what Peter said when he was ordered not to speak about Jesus. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel, this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. There's salvation in no one else. God's given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness, circle that word again, of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. After they ordered them never to speak in the name of Jesus again, they released them. The disciples went back. Peter and John went back and joined with the other disciples. They had a prayer meeting that night, and here was part of the prayer. O Lord, give us your servants great boldness. You can circle it one more time in preaching your word. You and I might think, well, my story isn't that great. My story isn't that big. Your story is important. My story is important. Robert's story is important. Jenny's is. Because God wants to draw all people to him. You know, the family members were afraid because the Pharisees were doubtful and hateful. The neighbors were questioning. But the blind man, he was sold out. And what's really interesting is his story has been told for 20 centuries, and we're sharing it again today. Wow. What could God do with a story? Who knows how many people have come to the Lord from this, just because of this story right here in John 9? Who knows how God could use your story? So... We're gonna, uh, if I can get the worship team to come up here uh, in Prattville and at all the sites, um, we're going to have some time in prayer. Uh, we're gonna, some of you are going, wow, you finished early today. Banner day. Okay, anyway, um, I'd like for us to use the time to sing and to give God praise. I'd like for you to come forward and pray. Maybe you want to come forward today and pray for boldness. Maybe you want to pray that God would help you organize your testimony. Maybe you want to pray that God would grant you healing. Maybe you want to pray that it, maybe it's your day to surrender your life to Christ. Robert's wife did on Easter Sunday. Maybe it's your turn today. I don't know. We're going to have some of the elders and their wives, some of our staff members up here. We all across the front. We'd love to pray with you. If there's anything you need to pray about, you come and pray. I'm going to have a brief word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we're just going to sing praises to you. We're going to pray to you. Father, for folks who are far away from you, I want them to come and get close today. Today would be a great day to get right with Jesus. Father, if we need a healing touch, I pray that we'll pray about that we need wisdom, I pray that we'll pray about that so we can give glory when you show us what to do. If we need courage and boldness, I want us to pray about that. Thank you for allowing us to gather for worship today. I want to be just like the disciples, Lord. Give us boldness. I want to be 
just like Peter said, that we can share our testimonies with gentleness and respect effectively, and we'd be ready whenever you open the door. Results are up to you, Lord. We just need to speak the truth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's spend some time in worship and in prayer.